Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing, the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling, award-winning authors across the genres, all sorts of folks. This month, my interview with Kat Rambo. Her actual name, yes it is, Kat Rambo. Science fiction and fantasy writer, lovely woman, interesting person. Had a conversation with her this summer. We've got it up there now, talking about science fiction, fantasy, world building, just making stuff. What it is you got to do to make stuff, check it out, authormagazine.org. Also, we're funded by the fabulous Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Join the PNWA no matter where you live. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because of the Internet. Yes, yeah, right. You don't have to live in the Pacific Northwest. We have these great meetings every month. Writers, agents, editors, all kinds of publishing professionals come, give their sage advice. If you can't make it, doesn't matter. You can listen to it in streams, and it's in archive, and you can listen to it if you're a member. That's right. So check it out, pnwa.org, pnwa.org. Listen, writing is all about making choices. That's what you got to do. you got to make a choice. Every word's a choice, and they all matter, right? Every word on the page matters. That's what writing taught me. And today is November 6th. The day I'm recording this, it's November 6th, which in the United States of America is an election day. And for some people, and I count myself amongst them, kind of an important one. So, uh, and the worst, I th- so I encourage you to go vote because the worst thing you can think is that your choices don't matter. It's a terrible thought because if my choices don't matter in a way, I don't matter because all I am is the choices I make. And one of those choices is who you vote for. And to think that your vote doesn't matter means your choice doesn't matter. It's not true. So if you haven't voted yet, go do it. You can bring this along with you if you've got your little iPhone. But don't worry. It's in, it's in iTunes. You can listen to it in iTunes. After. You can, go vote. Go do it now if you haven't. Bring a friend with you. It matters. You matter. We all matter. Yes, we do. Well, uh, on that note, I want to welcome today's guest to the show, Karen I. Trager, debut author. I'm so glad. To, I love getting new authors on the show. They're just like, oh, they're like newborns fresh to the world of the publishing. Well, Karen, like a lot of lawyers I know, or a lot of writers I know, was a lawyer. She practiced law. Um, and in 2015, though, for years, or she practiced, excuse me, she retired from law practice in 2015, start working on her book, My Soul is Filled with Joy, a Holocaust book, which is a book about her in-law, Sam and Esther Goldberg. Fascinating story, it is. Uh, she's an accomplished and dynamic speaker, so we're glad to have her on the show. And has presented at many continuing legal education conferences, community events, and is a member of the Seattle Holocaust Center Speakers Bureau. Let's get her on the show. Karen, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Well, Karen, 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 you, you've got, you wrote a book. You wrote a book. I, I did. Good. Wow. Okay, so why? Why write a book? You know, you had a life. You were leading a life, you had a family, you had a career, and then you wanted to monkey it up with a book. Why do that? Why introduce that into your life? I wanted to write this book for 25 years because wow. when I joined the Goldberg family, as someone who joined in later in, their, in life, I joined as a spouse. Um, yeah. I met Sam and Esther Goldberg, and their story um, hit me hard. And um, I just knew it had to be a book. And then... 
but I couldn't do it. I was practicing law, raising children. Yeah. It was too busy. And I'm not yeah. a writer, like, you know. And, and then they died, and I really felt like they had, I had to write this book because no one else was going to write it. And so I decided years later, after they died, as their memory sat with me and their stories just, just rested really on my heart, I thought, I, I have to do this. And as my children were growing up, I saw the light at the end of that tunnel, and I yeah. decided this is my time. This is it. So this I left my it. law practice, and I did it. Wow. So and so from the moment you met them and I should say their story is something uh, and we'll get, maybe get into that a little bit. Um, but they escaped the hall. I mean, they, they survived the Holocaust uh, and to some degree, their survival is, has, is their their love story is rooted in that. Uh, so it's a great story. But, you know, there's a lot of great stories. Uh, but from the get go. From the moment you started hearing, you already felt pretty soon that this needed to be more than just something you tell your kids about. That it needed to be shared, something shared with strangers, right? I mean, that's what yes, you're yes. really doing here. I really, yeah. I really felt that. I felt, first and foremost, truth is, I felt like the story had to be preserved for the family. But I felt way, it felt so much bigger than that. It felt like it had to be preserved for for the world because yeah. their story of survival was so each, each survivor of the Holocaust has an incredible story to tell because otherwise sure. they wouldn't have survived. But this right. one has these incredibly unique aspects to it that just it, the story for sure would be lost for sure. Right. Right. And, and so you thought can't, can't get lost, can't get lost. And you, I mean, the, it's interesting because you do write about your, your, you grew up in, in Seattle uh, and you were Jewish parents, but you did, your family did not come from that. Your your family did not come from that strain that had to deal with the Holocaust. They had they were living here at the time of the yeah. of World War II already, so they were here and safe at that point. Yes, exactly. Right. I didn't have that background, and when I joined this family, I uh, I grew up you know I grew up in Seattle in a suburb of Seattle, Mercer Island to be yeah. exact. Yeah. I grew up uh-huh. I w- with you know, all the comforts of the life of a suburb. And when I learned what happened to them, I mean, death camp, living in a pit, like your whole family being murdered and you being left alone. I I was just, it was so far from my life. I think that's why it hit me so hard and why I thought the lessons that we can learn from their story that I can learn, which I have learned very deeply, but that the world should learn are very real and very important for our world today. Uh, did your uh, my wife's my wife's uh, parents uh, her parents were born here, but her grandparents immigrated from Eastern Europe, and I think and her bubby survived the pogroms and had some serious stories to tell about that time. Did your family deal come from Eastern Europe, or were they? My from- father's family. My father's family came from Eastern Europe, and they came to America. A very typical immigrant story in the turn of the century, because were they the fleeing gonna- the pogroms also? Yeah, the, some pogroms, but mostly because the czar was going to take all the Jewish boys yeah. into the army, and that would be the end uh, of yeah, them. Yeah. And yep. um, my mother's side of the family, though, came to America very early in the mid 1800s. And wow. uh, I'm, really? I'm, a, I'm a fifth gen, I'm a fifth generation Seattleite on my on my mother's side. Wow, wow, not many of those, huh? Not, no, not many not fifth generation Seattleites 
period, Jewish or not Jewish, yeah. quite frankly. It just hunts right. many people living here. Okay, so this is so, but now you meet some Holocaust survivors, and it just hits you like a ton of bricks. It hits exactly. you like a ton of bricks. And but you know that's interesting. And it's this is I so I work with I work with clients who write memoir primarily, and one of the challenges it seems to me is it seems obvious why it would hit you like a ton of bricks. They survived this 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 sort of garishly grotesque. Uh, sort of unthinkable, but yet nonetheless happened experience, but they survived it. And so it's easy to, it's kind of on one hand simple, but you kind of have to get into, it seems to me, really why it hit, because not everyone would get hit by a ton, like a ton of bricks by that. They'd say, well, that's really interesting. All right, now let's go watch some football. It didn't happen to everybody, it, but it did happen to you. Do, do you recognize that, that it was specific that you ex- absorbed it like that and that your job is to translate what was so special to you about what was so unique to you about in hearing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I also know that a lot of people who say to themselves, I'm going to write a book, even if they start to write a book, they don't get it done. So That's the fact right. That I had the idea, even though it was 20 years in the, in germination, uh, but I, but that I said I was going to do it and that I, and that I did it. And I, <laughs> I look back at my last, you know, three years and I'm like, wow, I just, I just did that. And um, yeah. and I think that I was just compelled to do it. Well, well, to be honest, something that really triggered it, all of that is true, what I said before, but what really triggered it was the death of my father, which was five years ago. Of your ago. father, yeah. My father died five years ago, Erwin Trigger, very well-known Seattle attorney uh, and community activist. And when he died, it was a surprise. He was 79, so it's not like a huge surprise, but it was a right. very quick got sick and died. And um, he always said that when he retired, which he hadn't retired, he was going to do X, Y, Z. He was going to write a book about our family, and he was going to write this, he was going to do that. And then he died, right. and he never did it. And I thought, yeah. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want that to happen to me. And so right. that really what really hit me hard. And I kind of relived Esther and Sam's death again with that and realizing the finality. I just, I'm still well. I'm in my 50s. I can do this. And I just jumped in. And I, I'm great. so happy. I have not looked back. It's been the most rewarding and amazing experience of my life. One of them. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. It's been amazing. I have met the most interesting, fascinating um, human beings on this planet through this. Lots of it were, you can call it miracles. You can call it serendipity. You can call it having the internet in the world and people finding me <laughs> through my blog yeah. and telling me about relatives that one relative in the Goldberg family that survived the war as a boy, a six year old boy that we never yeah. knew about. And right. a, a Polish priest connected called, you know, connected to me to my blog and told me this story about, and we met him, we met the guy and we met wow. his kids. And now yep. we're, now we have new, new cousins that we never knew we had. Oh, it's great. Books are, are great that way. They're, the writing of them and then when they're published, but there's something about writing a book that just connects you. It's just awesome. And so it, it's an interesting book. It's an unusual book. Uh, it's in two parts because it's part your in-laws story, Sam and Esther's story. And it's also your story. You decide to do both things. What, why did you decide to do it that way? Well, at first, in terms of the creative process, at first I thought I was going to write um, – I mean, I do intertwine the first 
section, their story. I do one chapter yep. about Esther's life, one chapter about Sam's life, and right, they, they're right. kind of parallel until they meet, the moment that they yep. meet in 1943. Um, and, but I, at first I thought I would do it, par, I would intertwine three chapters, Sam, Esther, and then me, and I would talk about right. my experiences in relation to that period of history, like what, you know, I would try to relate my experiences to that. And, um, and then after I started it, I wrote about, I don't know, maybe like seven chapters, eight chapters, and it just, it was too much. It was too much for a right. reader to follow. So I, I separated them, and it worked. It, I decided, I rewrote the whole, you know, I started rewriting, and that second section, I had, I just felt freedom to like really write about my feelings and about what happened to me um, in the context of working on this book because I had separated it from the historical time period, which I was right. felt constrained by. And um, yeah. it turned, for me, it turned into a much more, much richer and, and a better uh, book because I did it that way. So that's um, because w- when I started researching and writing about their story, their story became my story. And that's a crazy thing Talk that Talk about happened. that. What do you mean? H- how did their story become your story? Okay, I'll give you one example. There's many examples. I'll give you one. So there, was, there, were these, there were Polish Christians who helped Sam and Esther when they were in hiding. Right. And all I knew about them was that this, this woman's name was Helena, and her name was her name, Helena Stisch. And I thought, I have to go to Poland, of course. I have to take a trip to Poland right. and go back and see these places. And I just want to figure out where she lives. I want to go to the house or where she did, did live. I mean, she's been dead for a long time. Where did right. she live? I just want to stand in front of that house and just take a picture, you know, thinking that everything's probably different now than it was in 1945 or 44. Sure. And um, I had no idea how to find her house. So I contacted my, my, my husband's sister, his older sister, who was actually born in Poland in 1945. Wow. And, um, oh, okay. I, and she's been back to Poland and visited the towns of her parents. And so I, her name is Faye. I said, Faye. I said, do you know where Helena's house is? Because I'd like to go and see it. And she said, I have no idea. She said, I, right. she said, I have absolutely no idea. Any idea how I could get it, blah, blah, blah. No. But, you know, I found this stack of letters in my dad's condominium after he died. And they're in Polish. And I've just been saving them. I don't know what they are. I said, could you send them to me? So she sent me the letters. I got the letters translated. I found someone through the Seattle Holocaust Center who's a volunteer there and a woman who's now become my, one of my best friends. And she uh-huh. translated them for me. And then she started Googling the names and she found some of the last names. She found people in Poland on the internet and on, in Polish Facebook pages. And we connected with them. She served as my translator and we connected with them via phone, video phones. And I met this man who was related to this other man who connected me with this other man who's the grandson of one of these Stish families. And he connected us to the entire Stish family, and we got to go back and visit and meet the three surviving children of those families who were all alive during the war and remember the three hidden Jews that they hid in their their barn and that hid in the pit in the forest. How old are they? Right, so when we met them in June of 2016, the oldest one was 90. Oh. And during the war, she was like 17, 16, 17, so she okay. remembered everything. Right. The other were, other wow. two were around 87 and 85. Okay. So wow. we met Jeez. them and their whole family. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, what a story. It was and then, amazing. 
and so and so so you wrote so you talk about your own sort of evolution how this connects you to sort of your past your your um you know there's a book there's a um there's a friend of mine wrote a book called the the family um uh, david laskin and it's about his family and um his Jewish family and most of them died. A big chunk of them died in World War II in the Holocaust. I, I read that book. Oh, you did? Okay. And he said he found it interesting because it was really as much about 20th century Western Europe as it was about his family and Judaism. It was like a history of that time and place because it covered so much. And just this dealing just with his family, it actually looked at life way beyond just that. And I suspect that the same is true of you, that you were looking at your family, but you must have been getting, you must have been like looking through a keyhole at something much bigger, you know, about why people do what they do or don't do, love, family, war, Europe, history. It's all in there, yeah? Yes. So there's two things that really are impactful when you, when you bring up that point for me. The first one is that when people talk about the Holocaust, they talk about the fact that six million Jews were murdered in that time. Right. And right. it's very hard to understand the idea of six million people, that anything happened to six million people. It just becomes a right. number. Well, but yeah. By Wait, what, what, what did Stalin say famously, right? He said one person, one death's a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Right, exactly. You know, so and there's some I, truth to if that. I te- yes, absolutely. And I tell the story of two people who weren't six million who died, they were two that survived. Right. But through, right. through them, you see what, uh, uh, um, into a keyhole, you look through the keyhole of, of, a, of, a, of, of a sliver of the horrors that, that took place at the time. But then right. the second point that's very impactful is that I started out with the idea, I knew I was going to write this as a memoir, you know, like a, like a triple memoir, basically. But I also knew, and it was really important to me, to put their story in historical context. So I started doing t- tons of research, obviously. And, um, but then I made this ginormous timeline, is what I did for myself. And then I took their stories from their interviews. Yeah. We have their interviews that they've done, and I, and I inserted them into these timelines so I could see what was happening in the war and in Germany and in Poland right, at, right. When, when this happened to them or when this happened to them. And in that way, I was able to contextualize, at least I tried in the book, right. to contextualize their story within the bigger picture of the, of the war and of the, of, right. of the world history of the time. That and that must have been so because you know we never I, I I like I talk to historical novelists and they're often tell the same thing which is that they are so interested in how the big story of the world impacts the small story of someone's life that you're never removed from your time or place you know we're talking right now on November sixth there's a big thing going on here in America and we're all impacted by that but then we have our individual lives so that must have been fascinating to see that yeah the two it was things really fascinating. Yeah, and something that you said in the beginning of the of this uh, of this of this session that we're in the middle of about choices and about yeah. um that we are all making choices today, a very important yeah. choice. And one yeah. thing that I I learned many things in the over the course of this that really changed who I am like as a human. But one of them yeah. is that our choices matter so much. They really yeah. really matter. The choices that the Stish family made to help Sam and Esther, the this, this choices right. that, that, that Sam and Esther made throughout the war. Esther made a choice to save Sam. 
She met him after he escaped from the death camp Treblinka. And he was running away. And she's like, oh, my God, you just escaped from Treblinka. Come and I'll take you to this Christian family who's hiding me. And I'll help you. Come on. And just over and over the choices that were made um, were important. And some choices that we make in life are are, are a little important, but some are very important. And you never yeah. know sometimes till later how important any choice um, is. Well, yeah, and sometimes things that seem insignificant can lead to something that sort of life-altering for you. But I really did mean what I said at the beginning, that, that if you think your choices don't matter, you're kind of believing that you don't matter. You're just a I cog in some way. You've got to believe that. Because what are you? Because here's the thing. I don't have control over diddly squat Really, even my own, my wife and kids, I adore them, but they, they, I can't control them to save. I've tried. It didn't work. And the only thing I have control <laughs> over is the choices I make. Like, that's it. That's what that's I have it. control over. I agree 100%. Well, okay. So, all right. So you, you, you wrote this book. Um, uh, and then it's been, it was published in late September or October. It's only been out a little while, but you've already been popping around talking to people about that. What? that like what's it been like going out and now uh speaking to people and meeting people how's that going it's going great it's really going great when i um as i'm going around talking because when i give these talks i'm i'm mostly talking about i give an intro to sam and esther's story and then i fast forward them to now and what happened to me and right. how my whole family went back to Poland and what happened to us in meeting these families, you know, the, the, the Polish stitch families and how, like, my husband, what do, you, like, what do you say to some people who brought food to your parents in a pit in the forest when they were hiding from the <laughs> thanks. Nazis? Like, right, right. <laughs> Thank thanks, so, thanks so much. See, see you later. You know, and have a nice day. I don't know. What like, do you say? Right. So what do you say? So he struggled with that before we went to Poland. He knew we were going to meet these people. He knew they took food to his parents and and right. and hid them in their barns, you know. And so he he being the brilliant human and talented human being that he is, he decided to compose some music to ah. some verses oh. from some verses from the Psalms, from chapter 30 of Psalms that were meaningful okay. in this context. And he taught us meaning myself and our four children, the song, and we sang this song of thanks wow. to them. Wow. Really? Did right. they, they must have been just, there couldn't have been a dry eye in the house. No, oh my tears God. everywhere, tears everywhere. So, so when I'm talking about this now in t- to groups, I, ex- I tell them about this, and then I play them a clip from the whole day was videoed. We hired someone to video it the whole day when we were meeting them and going around. And so I take the clip from when we sing this song to them and my husband introduces it and whatever. And then this crazy remarkable thing happened where this woman who's, her name is Yanina. She was 90 years old. She's not alive anymore, but we sang this song to her. And then she started singing back to us in Polish. She said, Uh Oh, I'll sing you a song. And she sang us this uh, song about the goodness of God. She's very, they're all very religious. Devout, and yeah. she sang us this song. So, it was, it, so I show them that clip, and then there's no, there's no dry eye in the house. Very That's impactful. beautiful. Well, you know what's nice? This is, you, it's a fun, I, I didn't make anything of it, but the title of the book, I'm just going to, is My Soul is Filled with Joy, a Holocaust book. And Holocaust and Joy, not two words that normally uh, go side by side. So talk about that. I mean, because it, it is a joyful story, but 
the Holocaust, very dark, very dark period. Uh, talk about that, why you wanted to call it My so, Soul is Filled with Joy. Yeah, I'm so happy you asked that question because that is exactly the question I was hoping I would get when I, when, <laughs> when I chose that title. Because right. um, a friend, listen, I've never written a book before, and I was starting to think, I took a class at the university. After I left my law practice, I took a class of, in, in, in creative nonfiction writing at the University of Washington, an evening yeah, class. Because yeah, yeah. I figured, no one's going to run and read this book if I write it like a brief. So I got to do right. something about that. <laughs> so, smart woman. Okay. So, Right. So I took the course, and in the course we had to come up with a title for a project we were working on. So I was talking to a friend. I'm like, I don't know what to call this. And she said, should, you should make it surprising. Make it a surprising yeah, yeah. title. And I said, okay, so I'll think about that. And then I thought about this, this conversation I had with the grandson of the Stish family, the very first member of the family that I, that I met via Internet phone. And at the end of this conversation, where I'm telling him all about all these things that his grandparents did to help save – Sam and Esther Goldberg, and he didn't know the whole story. He knew like a tiny bit. And at the end of right. this hour-long conversation, he said, my heart is full and my soul is filled with joy. He said uh, it in Polish, of course. My, my translator friend told me, and I'm like writing it down furiously. I'm like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And so yeah. later when I started thinking about what to title it, that phrase just jumped right out at me. And I thought, wow. How, what an oxymoronic title. My soul is filled with joy, a Holocaust story. And that's perfect. So that's how I chose it. And the truth is that my soul became so filled with joy when, over the course of, of, of the three years that I worked on it with the people that I met and the things that yeah. happened to me and the bonding of my family that occurred. It's been, it has been joyful. That's great. You know, I love it. You know, I think of, you know, I'm reminded of as you talk about that. And the title of your book is Ludwig von Beethoven, who wrote one of my favorite pieces of music called Ode to Joy. And it's just a beautiful piece of music. But of course, Beethoven was stone deaf when he wrote it. He was sick. He was bleeding from his ears a lot of the time. He was going through a traumatic court trial. So he was uh, in love with a woman he couldn't marry because she was royalty or she was aristocracy so things were going bad for old beethoven but what did he write he was asked to write something he wrote the ode to joy he didn't write the ode to this stinks what the hell is going on <laughs> no he wrote the ode to, i mean it couldn't and that song couldn't be more joyful and i do think sometimes you know the darkest moments i always tell my memoir students you know you have to show the dark because that's what it's better. It's easier to see the light against the dark, contrasted against the dark. And I do think that sometimes the things that take us to the places we most don't want to be teach us where we do want to be. The, te the places that take us to our darkness reveal the light in a way that we can't otherwise see. It seems to be the case again and again, and it sounds like you found that in this story, too. Beautifully said. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, you, and by the way, one writer to another... Uh, very nice bit of writing you did, just on a writerly level. I was quite, I, I found it very readable, very well done. So I figured something out, my dear. I, I don't know how long Thank it took you. you, but it's 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 very well done. It's not easy to write these kinds of books. And I have kind of an eye for this. And I thought you did some things that were very subtle that you handled very well. So good on you. Uh, Thank I, you. I don't know how hard you worked on it. Or maybe I know the law career can help. Uh, because it's so language based, but you you had you made the transition to narrative, and I think you did it very well. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, 
Well, all right. So, so the journey, so you, your journey continues. I assume you're going to keep trying to talk to more as many people who will listen. Uh, you seem like you yes. enjoy that. Yeah. Good. Yes. As many good. people as will listen. That is correct. Good. Well, I, I feel the same way. I wrote a book called Fearless Writing and, and anybody wants to talk to me about it. I don't care if they meet me on the street. I'm going to talk to them. That's just how I am. So good. Good. <laughs> you should. You should. Because you know what? Now, here's the thing, Karen. Here's the thing. You, I'm sure you learned this already. It's not your story anymore. Now it's theirs. Now your Sam and Esther's story, it belongs to everybody. It belongs to me. It belongs to the people on the street. It belongs to them. Because when a person reads your book, they take it into their imagination and they live through you and through Sam and Esther, and now it's their story. So now their story belongs to everybody, and you've done it. You have made it immortal in its own way. You have. Congratulations. I hope Perfect. you enjoy Perfect. Just what I wanted to do. Well, you did. You did. And that's what happened. It's a beautiful thing. And so my question is, you going to try and do it again? you going to try and tell another story, or is this it? You're done. Are you one and done? <laughs> well, you know, re- writers don't tell their ideas until they're better no, formed. No, they don't. Good, right? good. So uh, I will learned. say that I'm. I will say that I that I have been thinking deeply about my next project, um, and I have a couple of a couple of ideas. I'm not sure where they're going to go, but right now I really, really want to focus on getting this story out into the world so that it can it can live on and and go do its thing. That's right. Good, good for you. But uh, you know, I, I only ask because sometimes when people are bit by the writing bug, they realize uh, there's something about it that just is hard to find elsewhere. So I, I hope you yeah. find another project. You clearly, uh, I know you enjoy writing because of what I read. I just, I know this. So if you, I hope you find something else to do, but uh, so I'm almost done with you. Not just yet though. I can't let you go yet. First of all, uh, before you ask, I ask you my last question, where can people find out all about you and your fascinating book and your fascinating talks? Where, where's the best place to go? Uh, my website. I have a tr- I have a lovely website. When Karen dot com. It's my name. Right. That's all you have to know. Triger is T R E I G E R. And yeah. um, if you put that into Google, you will find me. Right. And on and there, you can go I- to my blog. I have a blog that I've been working on since January of tw- or December of 2015. And uh, and all my events are listed there. I have a, a tab for events. And I'm speaking on the East Coast a couple times in November and then back here in, 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 the, in the Pacific Northwest in January and February. So there are events to, to attend if you're so interested. Great. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. So go there, people. If you're interested, go check it out. Uh, and, but I'm not done with you yet. Karen, I want you to finish this sentence for me. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? If writing has taught me anything, it's taught me that I can follow my dreams. Ah, ah, that's a good lesson. That's a good lesson for everybody. Karen, thank you for coming on the show. You're awesome. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy. Good luck with the book and whatever your mysterious next project is. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. Follow your dreams, people. It's true. Follow your dreams. I'm going to have uh, Carla Neggers here next week, Another, a novelist, novelist, wonderful woman. Uh, until then, go vote. Go vote, people. Do it. You matter. I want to thank my, uh, my producer, my wonderful producer, without whom this show probably wouldn't happen, R.J. Jeffries. Uh, until next week, go do something you love. And vote. Vote.